Oscar Wilde, The Aesthetic Apostle's First Appearance in New York Society, from The New York World, 6th of January, 1882. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rob Marland. Oscar Wilde, The Aesthetic Apostle's First Appearance in New York Society. Mr. and Mrs. A. A. Hayes, Jr., of 112 East 25th Street, held a reception yesterday afternoon in honour Mr. Oscar Wilde. Mrs. Hayes's pretty suite of Japanese rooms furnished pleasant surroundings for the now famous apostle of English aestheticism. Their careless artistic grace must have commended them to Mr. Wilde's good opinion. Personally, Mr. Wilde, not being a Japanese young man, suggests entirely different surroundings. It is allowable to consider him in this light, since he is supposed more fully than anyone else to embody in his person his views of life, which is to say, the relation of the man to his aesthetic environment. Personally, Mr. Wilde suggests Greek porticos and Doric columns, with open spaces looking towards the blue Aegean, and nearby the Venus of Milo, or a chaste Diana, to furnish the necessary antithesis. To consider Mr. Wilde from an even more artistic point of view, he might fitly make a third of this calm group. His face is that of a colossal maiden, untroubled by heated visions, but over which at times beams a certain joyousness, wholly Greek, at the sight of the largeness or beauty of nature. In its lines it is essentially feminine, but these are on so large a scale that their soft curves indicate none of the weakness which might hastily attach to the adjective. Otherwise his broad, sturdy physique is as English as if trained in athletics instead of aesthetics. Practically, Mr. Wilde accommodates himself with great amiability to the more contracted limits of modern life, at least in a foreign country, in spite of his physiognomy, and adopts without constraint the current coin of society. Not to mention with greater circumstance Mr. Wilde's personal appearance would be inconsistent with alluding to him at all. He wore a Prince Albert coat, tightly buttoned, and held in his hand a pair of light gloves. His broad collar was half hidden by his coat, though revealing a blithe blue scarf, but was not worn as low as that of Mr. Nicholas Smith, nor was his hair of greater length than the cut usually adopted by the philosophers of the Tribune. In short, his manner exhibited the unconsciousness of a gentleman, and in that respect was unlike the indigenous aesthetic, not to say asthmatic, types with which we are familiar. The lion of the occasion, he was very appropriately lionised, towering above all the women who clustered prettily about him, and above most of the men, but roaring very gently. He expresses himself very graciously concerning our country, 
and evidently expects more sympathy for his views in our broader less crystallised opinions than he has found among the british philistines of these views he speaks with great seriousness as if their earnestness lay like a burden upon him but he expresses himself with a rhythmical fluency which shows he has long grown used to it and this takes the edge off one's sympathies in admiring the literary form mr wilde is enthusiastic in his admirations of others and especially of mr whistler whom he declares to be the first painter in england but he maliciously adds it will take england three hundred years to find it out in paris mr whistler finds appreciation is at home but paris is artistic and recognises art when it reveals itself in whatever guise of mr whistler's infantile simplicity of character mr wilde is even more generous in praise such bits of conversation were tossed hither and thither among the crowd which surged about the stranger although after yesterday the term is scarcely appropriate and with mr wilde at least the conversation rarely dropped below a certain level lifted into a somewhat rarer air than is usual at afternoon teas to mr wilde this seemed to be native ether and however short-breathed were those he conversed with the circumstances of the situation did not allow it to appear as group effaced group before him wherever he moved the crowd naturally swayed leaving breathing-room behind following him into the dining-room with well-bred curiosity making a faint excuse over the punch-bowl to see him quaff his tea this attention the hero of the occasion received with that calm unconsciousness which distinguishes his actions and if he perceived the agreeable impression he created he did not let it appear during the reception mr wilde stood in the middle parlour and back of him was a gigantic japanese umbrella covered with grotesque figures of gaily coloured paper the long thick bamboo handle rested on the floor under a table at mr wilde's left and protected him on that flank on the other side was the partition dividing the two parlours and in the enclosure thus formed mr wilde remained like a heathen idol most of the time between three and six p m daylight was excluded from the room by heavy dark curtains closely drawn and heavy portieres fell over the doors the gas was lighted within but it fell upon mr wilde softened and tinged to a delicate pink by the coloured shades fastened upon the globes of the chandeliers this rosy light softened whatever there might be of harshness in mr wilde's features and made more gentle the gentle expression of his smile his posture was full of grace and strongly brought to mind the pictures seen in punch with the element of caricature of course left out the rooms were filled with articles of bric-a-brac but not a lily or sunflower or anything else supposed to be intimately connected with mr wilde's philosophy was to be seen 
the dresses of the ladies were not more sad-coloured than those seen at the receptions of people who were philistine or indifferent in all the rooms conversation was carried on between groups independent of mr wilde but whatever the latter said was eagerly listened to by the groups which stood around him the parlours and the refreshment room were crowded all the time the reception lasted among the company were mrs hamilton fish mr robert garrett mr and mrs latrobe of baltimore the rev dr henry c potter the rev mr douglas of trinity parish judge brady miss brady judge barrett corporation counsel and mrs whitney mrs beeman and the mrs evarts mr allen evarts mr and mrs j h choate mr and mrs a a lowe the marquise lanza mrs commodore baldwin mrs carlton mr and mrs edward potter mayor and mrs grace mrs parron stevens mr and mrs canokan mr j g gray miss bristed mrs e j hawley mrs wilds mr f h hamlin mr and mrs f o french miss ryder mrs shack mrs and miss marie mr and mrs ludlow fowler mrs w l strong mr and mrs h e pellew mr and mrs r h l townsend mrs john h davis mr and mrs edward tuck mr and mrs henry rogers mrs and the mrs routh mr and mrs t b musgrave mrs wakefield miss folsom dr octavius white mrs john bigelow colonel and mrs morse mrs j h draper mrs george meyer mrs trotter mrs colden murray mr w h bishop mrs w e rogers miss blatchford judge and mrs abram r lawrence mrs john lilly and mrs mack mr wilde's abode has been kept somewhat of a secret it is understood that this was done because a number of harmlessly insane persons wished to interview him and his managers do not wish to have him bothered since his arrival he has received many invitations to social entertainments from members of rival sets of society but he has been protected against the designs of all and has accepted none of the invitations this is in accordance with the desire of his managers who stipulated that his social as well as his lecturing engagements should be under their control and who well knowing the importance of his forming only the best social connections have so far allowed him to go nowhere except to mr hayes's mr wilde's agent said yesterday that mr wilde was about to have published at philadelphia a poem explaining his philosophy which he brought over from england there are two or three things in that poem added the agent enthusiastically which i think will go to the very bottom of things at this a mild shudder of mingled delight and alarm ran around the room and agitated all the fans at one happy moment mr wilde advanced a little from the seclusion made by the rod of the japanese umbrella and the partition 
and was instantly surrounded by ladies who stood grouped in the form of a horseshoe with the heels of the shoe represented by mrs john bigelow and the marquise lanza mrs bigelow with her characteristic hospitality took occasion to secure mr wilde for dinner on sunday evening and the young poet in promising to be prompt showed that he felt that in coming to new york he had come among a people who are hospitable and discriminating at once end of oscar wilde the aesthetic apostle's first appearance in new york society